0: (laughs) Hi everyone, Camille here It's 6pm in Lisbon in Lisbon 8pm in Nairobi and 10am in Vancouver We're live You're listening to Cosmic exploring the world of change via the arts Thank you for tuning in We keep exploring the art space in season 3 of the show talking to artists and thinkers from around the world with the mission to decipher what the arts are offering to modern society today, what works, what doesn't, and how the artistic practice affects change at the personal level, at the collective level, asking ourselves what can we use, replicate, improve? What should we use to craft the reality we want to see out there? You know that at Cosmic we are obsessed with the subtle realm, with storytelling, with narratives, with how the arts and the broader field of culture shape the common sense of the world. Last week I had a fascinating chat with Mark Garrett who co-founded an organization called Further Field that was in 96 in London that he co-founded Further, further Field not our chat <laughs> and since then the organization has initiated a solid number of experiments in artistic co-creation across digital and physical networks they call it a decenter for art and technology. And this is exactly what we're going to cover today. Decentralization, democratization, empowering self-organized collectives, disruption of the art space, technological enablers such as blockchain, and network culture so why does it matter well number one it seems that those are key ingredients to surviving the art world in the 21st century and two in the context of our of our investigation on art and change we might want to be fluent on decentralized network culture blockchain for artists and the edges in general because this is often where the future is taking roots
1: I'm a man. Oh, this is
0: So, with this podcast, I want to amplify big philosophical questions that further field and others have been asking for decades. Who owns cu- the, the culture? Who owns culture? How to deal with this awkward relationship between, I quote, the felt value of the arts to the majority and the financial value of arts to a minority? Can the cultural industry technically be countered? Movie studios, advertising firms, social media conglomerates galleries and so on. I'm talking about this devastating ability the the capitalistic machine has to enslave any subculture or underground movement and feed the monster with it. most interesting cultural movements always start at the very edge or deep underground and then get turned into something you can buy on Amazon. Is that a problem? Okay, you got the story, it's about power and a sprout of democratization that now needs a lot of water and sunlight. So let me get a watering can, prepare a set of fertile music tracks and let's get the light of Mark Garrett shining. I learned a lot, if you enjoy these topics you might want to bring your own watering can and cosmic light to this movement, there's a lot of precious work to be done So yeah, let's get started. We have um, 24 seconds to go get a yogurt, a glass of wine or something, and we dive in. To one, harnessing tech while reclaiming the narratives of disruption.
2: The common uh, feeling by people uh, that used to use the word disruption is that neoliberalism or uh, corrupted business groups have exploited the term disruption for their own uh, uses, Uh, but some people still use disruption because they want to claim the narrative of what disruption can be. disruption further field as a group is that we we don't literally say the word disruption but we're disrupting say different forms of engagement in culture such as issues around class technology around so because we use like uh, DIY technology and also uh, problems around hierarchy within arts culture so we'd like to disrupt the narratives within that context around how uh, language is used from top down which disrupts actually the independence of, of uh, artists. the narrative that comes down traditionally say in the arts culture is very much about individualism and genius in line with market forces and that in a way is a a kind of a cultural colonial hack on people's creative expression uh, and that usually gets taught within art degrees and other Uh, academia which thankfully is being critiqued by post-colonial studies
0: Interruption always takes us to interesting places. It's a it's a word taking conversation to the edges, past, present, and future. It questions the speed of evolution and who shapes the narratives of evolution. Yeah.
2: You might want to disrupt uh, a position in history so you might want to rewrite or reclaim uh, something in history and within academia that's happening by uh say in south africa by people that are writing uh, from an auto ethnographic perspective and that's like working class black people that are writing about Uh, their own arts culture, their own terms, which hasn't been referenced in the canon of arts, even in Africa, let alone anywhere else. So, in a sense, you're disrupting the control mechanisms. because I think academia now is being disrupted by a whole new generation of people, but it's taken a long time and it's still still not there yet. And uh, and our culture is the same. It's very slow. It's dominated by particular people that are very out of touch with the needs of uh, new generations that are moving in. Uh, asking for change through their kinds of creative voices. Oh, now
1: We won't save you Your rescue squad is too exhausted And if you complain why
0: Was an opportune moment to dive into the most interesting technological enablers of disruption and one of them is a cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrencies for those of you who are not fluent yet on this topic, a cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency designed to work as a medium of exchange. It uses crypt- uh, cryptography to secure and verify transactions, as well as to control the creation of new units of a particular cryptocurrency. So essentially, cryptocurrencies are limited entries in a, in a database that no one can change unless specific conditions are fulfilled.
2: But the important things about it is that <laughs> is that they, they, they use uh, their decentralised exchanges so there's no central ownership over the economy of that or the, the processes that are taking place.
0: It works with blockchain technology, first of all, a system in which a record of transactions made in Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency are maintained across several computers that are linked in a peer-to-peer network. So usually when we think about blockchain, we well we often think about money and economics.
2: So it opens up new ideas of how to use digital networks and decentralised systems uh, beyond just money, if you see what I mean. And also organisations that follow that kind of uh, way of existing. And some of those organisations are called DAOs, and they're decentralised autonomous organisations. And uh, they're entities uh, that exist without interventions. And so they're meant to be incorruptible and run by a set of uh, rules or business rules, in a sense, is whatever uh, you agree that to be.
0: So blockchain is not just about how to manage money. And that's where it all becomes uh, relevant for the to the art space of the 21st century. Dream of
3: a land, my soul is from Strong on the drum. Shades of delight Go, go, you Rich as the night Afro Afro blue A boy Beautiful girl Dancing for joy
2: There's a project called Disco. Basically, it's a decentralized manifesto, and they're doing really good stuff. So they're kind of exploring different worlds that can be developed through blockchains, new new types of commons, uh, AI, feminist economics, cooperatives, and and these are kind of like some of the uh, contemporary new movements that are being formed. Using blockchain that are quite radical, they're not just based around money. While we wrote the book, artists rethinking the blockchain, and that that was the, a disruption of the of the bro narrative, where you have Silicon Valley ideology dominating blockchain culture, and we just want to say, wait a minute, this isn't about rich people getting richer. Uh, we can use this technology and do something more interesting in a contemporary context it's not just typical old-fashioned bro culture, you know, which is really just disguised, like Google was once kind of meant to be nice, and uh, but in a sense it ended up the same and even more sinister, uh, like Facebook has, uh, than some of the predecessors, arguably. structs California or Silicon Valley is that they uh, they're already programmed uh, through particular business initiatives and funding and business angels etc. to create uh, platforms and blockchain culture around the, the main aim of earning more money. That means something, you know. Uh, it's a centralized. Commodity and and sovereignty around technology itself. It's proprietorial So, and when I say proprietorial I mean it's, uh, you've got your first engagement with technology that's that's uh, corporate is that it's uh, proprietary. Your uh, but the, the larger engagement is proprietorial which is patriarchal. So that's kind of like it has ownership over your interaction. And so there's a psychology involved, there's a body politic about relationship with technology. the difference in a sense already you've got a kind of almost like a high status almost godly status like with Elon Musk and you know you you get these people that kind of like own a own culture own narrative millionaires and and people just keep on allowing it to happen (laughs) if you you're on Amazon, you keep on buying more Amazon products. You get addicted uh, within this proprietorial relationship and and you're kind of funding your own downfall, so to speak. (laughs) Or Or our own downfall, you know.
0: Silicon Valley and big tech in general is definitely a cultural force that we need to consider and that urgently needs disruption. (laughs) I experienced this uh, firsthand myself, by the way, uh, in a previous life during my time in San Francisco. This is the culture in which I was fully immersed and my whole world was about these narratives and business models. And it took me years to to shape new perspectives on, on value creation, on what is harmful, what is fair, and peeling off layers and layers of what had become my identity. So disrupting this culture is possible. And with tools like blockchain, new manifestos and value creation models can be safeguarded. By who? By networks
3: we let her reign to heaven's light
0: Chapter 2 Artist Networks as Game Changers for the interview and and talking to Mark, I realized how little I knew about what's already going on. I found out that there are really interesting projects out there. For instance, one lab they set up is called uh, DECAL, Decentralized Arts Lab. And this is what I was touching on earlier when mentioning this accord relationship between the felt value of the arts to the majority and the financial value of the arts to a minority. The arts garner great wealth while it is harder than ever to sustain arts practice even in the world's richest cities.
3: Is,
1: yeah, need, yeah.
0: So let's illustrate maybe with a project called uh, Culture Stake, part of DECAL
2: there's a project called Culture Stake, which is a web-based voting and uh, connection system for decentralised cultural decision-making and investment. Basically, anyone can download uh, its kind of uh, context and some of the code that's been made towards it on GitHub. Uh, Getting rid of the kind of hierarchy of curation around art projects, It can go anywhere in the world where you get everyday people deciding of what projects are voted for rather than, say, just say two curators or three curators at the top of the tree. I
3: know she's there. She must be there.
0: example in place since 2006 when uh, furtherfield set up a manifesto called daiwo the daiwo manifesto daiwo as in do it with others do it with others
2: The daiwo manifesto was originally uh, in 2006 where it's uh, setting up a way of specifically existing within an art context where you get uh, a group of artists that are engaged in making art together collectively on a peer-to-peer process. So in other words everyone gets uh, an even vote. Uh, So you can have a hundred artists curating one show of of their own show rather than say one curator. Uh, So that breaks down the kind of uh, the dominance of the narrative of the exhibition to exist uh, in a collective right rather than uh, through authoritarian (laughs) rights. And the important thing to remember, if, if you go into a Daiwo project, you go by the rules of what that Daiwo project is collectively exploring. So, you know, you know you've know, got kind of the structure of Daiwo, which is decentralization and uh, critiquing hierarchy. But these aren't specifically what the project says itself. So in other words, you just use those rules as a guideline to make that project happen. And but on also, that's not going to be your main project. You may be an individual artist that's making art somewhere else, and uh, that's not going to take over your life. This it might exist as this project in its own right, and then you're doing something completely different uh, in your art making uh, on another day. So it allows it allows people to explore other parts of themselves that, that they haven't. Um, considered exist within the art making process. Art you know, is a is a is a freedom in its own right and uh, but sometimes you need particular uh, tools or skills to pull us out of ourselves to find new things out of, of how we're engaging in in, in that kind of uh, creative action
3: Daddy.
0: Here comes one more time an insight that we keep touching on with different guests and thinkers at Cosmic when looking at the future of the world with a dramatic tone and how things should be. Have a listen.
2: This idea of uh, new worlds only exists within localities rather than an overall picture that everyone must have uh, kind of live by.
0: New worlds only exist within localities. This is so important, so inspiring. Thank you, Mark. And talking about new worlds, let's move towards our next chapter and contemplate what the 21st century looks like viewed from here. Chapter three, COVID and the world in the 21st century.
2: The, the, the virus has kind of re-emphasized uh, the issues, I think, what maybe what other people have suspected as well. But we've been doing projects in relation, to, say, how do we survive the 21st century? You know, what skills do we need to exist in the 21st century? And, and the virus has kind of emphasized that, what will we need to exist beyond that now? I don't... No, there's uh, health care is a a big issue and uh, and also care in the community is also uh, because austerity has kind of demolished a lot of care in the community in the UK and and the US and certain parts of Europe so the big issue is how can everyday people reclaim uh, aspects of their uh, care and what does that look like and so you've got some artists uh, like, say, who we've been working with, like Cassie Thornton, who's got a project called Hologram. It's, it's a kind of like uh, a viral distribution system for non-expert health care, and it ensures that all caretakers are cared for. And, and regards properly supporting someone else's well-being as a therapeutic act in itself. I about breaking down the the control of what things we are used to and what they are and they have their own kind of boxes holding the behaviors of what we're used to that they do one example is like say yoga so when you go to yoga you you go there to kind of relax and do kind of exercises that are good for your body but if you're going through the process of austerity, and you go to yoga and you don't know whether you've got the home the next week because the rent's not being paid because you're highly in debt, then you don't, you, don't, you know, it's going to be difficult for people to go do yoga when they're worrying about being thrown onto the streets. And so Cassie Thornton was doing yoga classes where people can talk about debt as well. So they were, and they were very well attended. And so she crosses over these different things where she uh, disrupts the kind of traditional narrative of what things should be. See kind of thing where you're crossing over into this different uh, arena where you're disrupting the kinds of agendas and ideologies of those spaces. It allows us to kind of reevaluate our relationship with the world and we just have to find new ways to connect or step over those bridges. I think what needs to radically change regarding what the arts are is uh, the concept of uh, cultural ownership of who owns the culture. Because whoever feels owns the culture at the moment is not everyday artists or it's, it's, it's the kind of institutions that dominate. Uh, and so, therefore, it's a colonial relationship of the world through artists and through uh, its nationhood, and I just think that that needs to be really uh, deconstructed in such a way where even I know these people would shudder with this what my suggestion, but where you break down uh, kind of well-known museums and uh, galleries and. Uh, where you distribute them around the country into smaller venues where the funding for these large, massive institutions that take an awful lot of money can be broken down and shared within communities as part of a process of connecting to people more through the artistic arrangements or engagements. And because I just think it's a very dishonest Relationship pretending to be nice through hierarchy uh, process, and it's it's just it's a lie, and uh, it needs to be uh, broken down in such a way where certain groups aren't allowed to be run by particular elite people. <laughs>
3: Eating food too embarrassing to embarrass into list. I know why there's an aching in your wrist. Now your book fast pissed. Reciting all the times to kick yourself, you missed. Reciting all the times to kick yourself, you missed.
2: Does the domination really lie in the relationship with galleries and, and uh, the people that exist around those communities that may or may not be part of that gallery or, commun- or, or common space and if you look around especially around London and you, and actually if you go around the country a lot of the public spaces some of them are good and they've got what they're well-meaning but they're bourgeois they do not have the common good as part of the soul or the makeup of the infrastructures. The
3: others in your
2: head, and the
3: said, to everyone you wish that you
2: were, dead. To everyone you wish that you were dead. Unfortunately you you get the same types of people running these uh, mid-upper mid range arts museums and galleries where it's their values that are seen but not actually not the values of the community around them and uh, so therefore that needs to change these spaces need to be broken down into smaller spaces and and redistributed around the country What you don't want is what the Tate has done, where they've got just big galleries, one in Margate, one in Liverpool, one in, uh, two in London. You don't, what you want is a much more broken down version of that, where it's not about uh, the legacy of colonialism. There needs to be uh, new conversations around kind of like indigenousness, class, uh, race, uh, gender and, and these all need to be evaluated according to the areas of where they are. freedom, if you allow freedom, is it doesn't look like what you want it to, at the end. And, uh, and But that's what democracy is, or that's what uh, fairness is. It's not going to be the picture that you want at the end, and it's not going to have the same rulers or the same people administrating that context. The real psychology behind this is is about how you can be less addicted to the power relationship of the culture that you belong to. So it's not about the art object, it's about art becoming much more integrated and re-editing what we see as infrastructures dominating our lives.
0: first century art is infrastructural Oh, this is so good so good, so important again, thank you very much Mark Uh, this conversation is a very compelling starting point for those who haven't opened this door uh, these doors yet and I can see how promising the offer is network culture manifestos, such as the the Daiwo, do it with others' manifesto combined with technological enablers like blockchain uh, and others are igniting and safeguarding a constellation of democratization processes in the art space as well as in other sectors. It's like a whole new playground has been opening up and one that can technically roll out new power structures more fairness in the world, and new experiences for artists. So I guess it's now a matter of maximizing participation, spreading the word, and getting involved. On this podcast a great starting point is furtherfield's website furtherfield.org where you can browse projects and a rich library of resources that will take you all across the wonderful world of decentralization of arts and technology mark garrett is also hosting a podcast at furtherfield going deep on those topics with guests from across their network. The podcast explores how the collaborative imaginative fieldwork of artists, techies and activists is informing how we organize, imagine and build solidarity, good health and post-capitalist realities, working together and supporting others to do the same. I'll link it Uh, on our website in the episode notes thank you to the Cosmic team for the Cosmic work and thank you all for tuning in from uh, all around the world now um, it's very yeah gratifying to see the the community expanding let us know your thoughts questions ideas feedbacks um, yeah this is only the beginning so keep shaking things up and i'll speak to you next week ciao
3: I don't like